Today on Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier Reese and the harsh reality are confronted in love. The purpose of confrontation, again, is restoration and forgiveness, never revenge. Open rebuke is better than secret love, Proverbs 27, 5 says. Faith for the wounds of a friend, deceit for the kiss of the enemy, Proverbs 26, 6 says. The warning is for you as well as for me. The protection is for you as well as for me. None of us are beyond it. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Even with the believers of the early church in Thessalonica, the pending return of the Lord Jesus required a careful balance between waiting and working. The Apostle Paul, therefore, was encouraging the believers there to live in holiness, not idleness. And it's this second letter to the Thessalonians that Pastor Xavier turns to as he concludes an important lesson in confronting disorderly conduct in our Simple Truth study for today titled, The Importance of Church Discipline. Let's listen. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul now turns to some practical advice regarding disorderly saints, which may appear to be harsh and unloving at first. But if it isn't executed, then that's really unloving. In fact, discipline is the most loving thing that you can do to someone who's out of order. Now, what we want to do is look at Paul's apostolic proclamation regarding church discipline at Thessalonica. Let me read verse 6, 14, and 15. But we command you, brethren... In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the traditions which you receive from us. Verse 14, And if anyone does not obey our words in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet, do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. This apostolic proclamation regarding church discipline is characterized by three things. First, notice the authority for church discipline. The authority for church discipline. That's foundational. Secondly, the authorized action for church discipline. And then he finishes off in verses 14 and 15 with the authorized follow-up for church discipline. Because not everybody obeys the first or second time. Very important. Let's begin here with the authority for church discipline. This is the foundation The authority was through the apostolic channel. But we command you. The ones giving the command are apostles. In fact, Paul called himself the apostles to the Gentiles in Romans 11, 13. Now notice the command was to their brethren. The word command means to charge. To announce or transmit a message along from one to another. The moment a person accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they are under the orders of their Heavenly Father, for they are born into warfare. The Thessalonians and the apostles were bound together in the army of God by virtue of being in the family of God under the same commands of their Heavenly Father. This is the authority of the church for church discipline. It is the authority of Christ, not our own. Now notice secondly, The remainder of verse 6, the authorized action for church discipline. Now, this is a very specific 
case that's going on in Thessalonica. Okay? So it serves a good example. First, in order to exercise loving discipline towards the disorderly. Listen to him. That you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly. The believer was to withdraw from believers who were walking contrary to the Christian norm. The reference is to idleness, not working and being busy bodies. Verse 11 tells the other chapter 3. And so sometimes you have church mouses. They just like to hang out. If you're going to hang out, do something for the Lord. The word disorderly means irregular or insubordinate, out of order. Literally, the word is also a military term. Stepping out of rank, being disorderly. They weren't aligning themselves with their proper conduct. Their disobedience is ongoing. They were mentioned already in the first letter in 1 Thessalonians 5.14. They were referring to them again now here in verse 6 and 11. So these have continued. They haven't paid attention to the first letter. This is the second letter. This is really the principle of Matthew 18 that applies to all members of the church. By one, by two, by three, the elders of the church. It's just that simple. Real simple. In order to make people accountable, here it is, to Scripture. Our authority is vested authority. The true authority is Christ. And it's to make sure to make them accountable to the Scriptures. Just as the Father would tell His children to avoid association with those who are undisciplined, unethical, and immoral. So as not to be identified as being of the same character. So Paul makes his appeal to his spiritual children. Which father doesn't want to give this counsel or gives it to his children? He wouldn't be a father, would he? A parent confronts. This loving discipline to be experienced is to the believer, not the non-believer. Paul the Apostle, you remember in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, the Corinthians were real carnal and they were going through all kinds of stuff. They were, there was sexual sin, there was immorality of every kind. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 on down. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous, extortioners, idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or idolatrous or reviler or drunkard or extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those that are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. In other words, Paul's saying, what's the matter? You guys are telling me you're spiritual. You got this guy sleeping with a stepmother. And you're saying, oh, praise God. He's so neat, isn't he? He said, kick him out of there. Judge those that are inside. Don't worry about the non-believer. They're dead. God will judge them. You take care of God's house. So each of us have that responsibility and accountability to everyone. Sometimes people are just naive. They just came to the Lord and they come and they talk to me and say, Yeah, yeah. I said, well, How long have you been to the Lord? Oh, I just not. I said, Great. He said, Yeah, me and my girlfriend were living together. We're starting to come here. I go, Oh, great. And I just keep quiet. And then I said, Well, you know, are, have you accepted Christ? Well, yeah. I said, Well, you know, you guys can't be living together. You understand that? He goes, Really? 
I said, yeah, it says right here in the Bible. And just minister unto them. Our loving confrontation can be a help to turn others around. Confrontation is not the most comfortable. But it needs to be done. We have a classic example in Galatians 2, 11 through 14. Remember that Peter and, and Paul were there at Antioch and, and Peter got himself in trouble there. Let me read you the account there at Antioch. Peter had come to Antioch in Galatians 2, 11 through 14. And, and Paul says, I withstood him to the face, meaning Peter, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in this manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? Peter, shame on you. He confronted before all. Paul confronted Peter. You know, here's Peter. There's a circumcision coming over. So he's in prison. So he tiptoes over and, and Barnabas goes. He goes. There he goes. He even stumbles Barnabas. Amazing. I like Paul. You know why? Because Paul stood in the authority of Christ. But he was the most loving man. The problem today is that if you confront people, oh, you're not loving. Shut up. People want mamby-pamby kind of love that tolerates, doesn't make judgment. That's the definition of a sewer, not of the house of God. Now, don't get me wrong. None of us are perfect. But we shouldn't be living the way we used to. We're not perfect. But let me tell you, I can hit the mark. I miss sometimes because I'm a bad shot. I'm not perfect. But I can hit that bullseye. By God's grace. This is the authorized action for church discipline. Every one of us, if we know people that are not walking according, we have a responsibility to make them accountable in love. God help us if we don't. Now notice thirdly. The authorized follow-up for church discipline, verse 14 and 15. Why? Because some people don't pay attention. They don't obey after the first or second time, do they? They always press the boundaries, right? They think they're the exception. Notice first in verse 14. The condition is clear. If anyone does not obey our words in this epistle... The word obey is a cool. It means to hear and act on what has been heard. The word is used for children and for servants. In Ephesians 6, 1 and 5 and Colossians 3, 20 and 22. He's holding the response to the words of the apostle and to this letter. Yes, they were the penmen. As 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 says. But they were carried along by the Spirit of God so they did not speak of their own impulse. And what they imparted was divine revelation. This is God's word. This is not my opinion. It's not your opinion. This is God's word for the standard of the church for all ages. It transcends culture. The Bible does not agree with the new morality. The Bible does not embrace homosexual fornicators, drunkards. The Bible accepts them for salvation and changes them. 
But the Bible does not accept them as a continuous practice in declaring they're Christian. It is very, very clear. You see, this is to lead the leadership to more severe actions by noting the individual. Look at the term note. He says, note that man. It means to distinguish a mark in a serious way, not mere acknowledgement. You're marking that man with the purpose of discipline because of rebelliousness. It is in the middle voice in the Greek. It is for their own benefit as leaders in the church so as not to be associated with such a belief and practice so that they are blameless. You see? Very important the church be blameless. We cannot sweep it under the carpet. We cannot just say, well, you know, he's been with us from the beginning and he's a big tither. Let's not confront him. <laughs> Paul tells the Romans much the same thing to mark those who cause divisions and avoid them in Romans 16, 17. But notice secondly, in order to curtail the person's association with the church and the church's association with them, he says, and do not keep company with him. This is a command. This is not a suggestion. Today people say, oh, that's not loving. Oh, I, you guys, this and that. Hey, listen. Listen to Jesus. You vipers, you snakes, you hypocrites. Satan's your father. Jesus, meek and mild. You better make a distinction lovingly, scripturally, but you better make a difference. Very important. The word company means literally not to mix up along with. The term is used three times in the New Testament. Two times it is used in the First Corinthians 5, a context of the young man sleeping with his stepmother, verse 9 and verse 11. And there it is excommunication, a real extreme step to take. This command seems to be different in two ways. First, the command is more severe in verse 14 than it is in verse 6. So this is the next step. This step is more severe than verse 6. Secondly, this command also seems to be less severe than the excommunication in 1 Corinthians 5. So we have different levels that we see through Scripture, right? Paul is not interested in showing a chronological step here. He's just dealing with a very specific case here. And we search the rest of the Scriptures to see what is available to us to find in terms of church discipline. 1 Timothy 1.20, Paul calls two men by name. Titus 3.10, he calls them after second admonition, count him a heretic. Get away from him. So we have to search the whole counsel of God. Now, this command meant restricted and limited fellowship. We don't know to what extent it's not given to us here. Whether it was to restrict them from the love feast or even the Lord's communion table is only guessing. That could be part of it. We don't know. It's not given to us. But there was to be a form of restriction so that they would understand that the church was not agreeing with them and calling to repentance and everybody else also. And they were looking and hoping for repentance. Okay? So we're not given the details, but there was a restricted, not to mix up with them. Now notice thirdly the order. It's also in order to bring them to conviction and repentance. This is the goal. Always. From the first step. From the first Hearing of the disobedience, the first goal, the ultimate and only goal, is restoration. You're going to confront, you're going to deal, you're going to discipline with the goal of restoration, not merely castigation. 
You want repentance. Listen to him. That he may be ashamed, yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. The purpose of confrontation is always to turn the person from his or her error. James 5, 19 and 20 tells us that. 1 Peter 4, 8, to hide a multitude of sins. That is always the goal. The word ashamed means to have one's thoughts turn in on oneself for conviction and repentance. The reason we confront a person is that they might reflect on their conduct and agree with God that they have sinned against God. And they repent and turn. It is to be a determined course by those exercising that confrontation with the whole purpose in mind that that person says, Forgive me. You are right. I was wrong. And they come into fellowship again restored. That's the whole purpose. Now, I've had to ask some people to leave through the 20 years. Not many. Because when they were confronted with their disobedience or their gossip, or their slander. Rather than acknowledging it, they were brazen. And they became even more inflamed, accusing. But I'm looking for repentance. If they ever repent, and I see that friends, they come back. And that has happened sometimes. But where there is no repentance, there is no fellowship. Very important. The purpose of confrontation, again, is restoration and the forgiveness, never revenge. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, You who are spiritual, restore those in the spirit of meekness the way you would want to be confronted. So our attitude is, we hope we're wrong about this. We sure hope that you can clear this up. We don't want it to be true. But if it is, we have to deal with it. Which of us as parents don't do that with our children? The posture of the leader and the church is to be expectation of restoration. Look at verse 15. Yet do not count them as an enemy. The caution is a reminder to them of their attitude and heart because leaders can get caught up with power, right? So what are they supposed to do? But admonish him as what? A brother. Your actions should be motivated by love. The word admonish means to be put in mind. To warn. It is used in Colossians 1.28, 3.16, and 1 Thessalonians 5.12. The word appears in the noun form as well as the verb form whose basic meaning is to put in mind. Be it by training, be it by word, encouragement, or reproof. This word means this. You must confront. Confrontation. Discipline is not the issue at this point. It's personal responsibility of their profession as a Christian. If you come in to talk with me, and I don't even like the word counseling. If you come in and talk with me about an issue, and you tell me you're a Christian, I hold you accountable to the word. I'm not interested in who's at fault. I'm not interested in about the tasks you've been keeping. I'm interested in hearing now, see what's going on, get the assessment of what's going on, and then I give you the solution, what the Word tells you to do. And then it's up to you to do it. 
But I can't accept any excuses. Well, you know, she, she wouldn't have done this, or, you know, she's done this. Shut up. You need to die to self. You need to obey the Word of God. You need to throw the ledger away. This is the only type of counseling that should be going on in the church. Not, biblical, not psychological counseling, not humanistic counseling, but confrontational counseling. Where you are basing it upon God's authoritative word. Not taking a scripture and plastering on it and calling it Christian. When it's nothing but humanistic philosophy. The biblical way is here. To confront, to warn, to admonish, and to call for repentance. To the word of God and the power of the spirit of God. The Bible doesn't con concentrate on the whys of life, but what you're to do and how you're to resolve it. May each of us ask God for the wisdom and strength to confront and follow through the spiritual discipline according to the scriptures. Open rebuke is better than secret love, Proverbs 27.5 says. Faith for the wounds of a friend, deceive for the kiss of the enemy, Proverbs 26.6 says. May all of us act with the motive of love. For restoration and the fear of God. Listen to the counsel of Solomon to his son in Proverbs 24, 21 through 25. He says, My son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those given to change. For their calamity will rise suddenly, and who knows the ruin those two can bring. These things also belong to the wise. It is not good to show partiality in judgment. He who says to the wicked, You are righteous, him the people will curse, nations will abhor him, but those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. So important. The way we are to confront one another is clear in Scripture, meekness and godly fear with compassion, motivated to re reconcile them, Galatians 6.1. This confrontation nuthetic counseling is to be done by every believer as you need it. When you see things happening, no exception, you need to know the word. This type of counseling or confrontation is characterized by three things. Here it is. First, recognizing the problem regarding faith and practice. Secondly, the goal of correcting that. And then thirdly, is the benefit of the one being counseled. I analyze what's the problem, what the word says about the solution, and hope that he gets the benefit. That's it. Sometimes extreme measures need to be taken. Paul tells Timothy, some rebuke before all that others may fear in 1 Timothy 5.20. I've never had to do that from the pulpit. But if I have to, I would. I've never had to do it, thank God. This is the authorized follow-up for church discipline. For those who continue to rebel. And so we've seen Paul's apostolic proclamation regarding church discipline for the Thessalonians. It's characterized by the authority of church discipline, the authorized actions for church discipline, and the authorized follow-up for the church discipline. All of this applies to you, to me. The warning is for you as well as for me. The protection is for you as well as for me. None of us are beyond it. Have you ever seen a house that is not disciplined with their children? You go visit them? And you're sitting there in the living room trying to be polite and the kids jumping, pong, pong, throwing stuff around and everything. You're going, and the parents said, oh, Johnny, knock it off. If I have to tell you again, you're going to get it. Kind of chaotic, huh? You don't think very highly of those parents, do you? Well, what happens in the church? No different, people. 
May God give us the wisdom and the courage to be obedient to Him. Pastor Xavier Reese, wrapping up our study today with a vivid illustration for the importance of church discipline. In fact, if this message is one you'd like to spend more time with in more in-depth study, ask for a copy of today's lesson titled Exactly That, The Importance of Church Discipline. It's available on CD for only $4. By the way, it will include much more of the presentation than our limited time on the air allows. So once again, the title you want to ask for is The Importance of Church Discipline. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, Call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we monitor this outreach in your area. And then join us next time for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 